Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon and it is Wednesday, July 28th and it is NBA Draft season, NBA Draft preview coming up today on the podcast. I will be picking the top 10 in the 2021 NBA Draft. It is a draft that has a lot of hype at the top. It's probably a little deeper than the draft last year in 2020, but that's the really fun part about the draft is all the top prospects. I think of now, you know, you think, oh, the you know, the top four, the top five, we see time and time again that in many years, players not picked in the top five turn out to be the best players in the draft or some of the best players in the entire NBA. Obviously, Giannis jumps out number one. He was picked 15th overall back in 2013. He's obviously become a transcendent player, two-time MVP, defensive player of the year, champion, all the accolades that go along with it. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were picking the back end of the lottery, not top five picks to you know, massive stars. The MVP this year, Nikola Jokic, picked 41st back in 2014. So every pick matters. The likelihood of success varies in terms of success, meaning if you can draft an all-star player, uh, goes down naturally as, as the draft gets later and later. But just because these are the players that I list and say that I would take in the top 10 doesn't mean that these are the 10 best players or, or that these are the, the 10 players are going to have the 10 best careers when it's all said and done uh, with this draft class. And that doesn't mean that the top pick is going to have the best career either as there's hopefully all these players can play 10, 15 years. The NBA have long successful careers, but uh, there has to be, one who is the most successful and one who's the least successful when you draft 60 people. Unfortunately, that's just part of just the game of the draft. And the draft is, at times, the lottery. It's a crapshoot. It's like throwing darts on the dartboard. And we're going to be talking a little bit of that today when I try to pick the top 10 picks, knowing what team it is, where they are at currently in their roster construction terms of fit best player available is it hey can we take a swing here and just throw a dart on the dartboard and say okay this guy has tools maybe we can develop him and maybe he can become an all-star caliber player in a few years but uh this should be fun we're gonna run through the top 10 and the team that's on the clock that has the number one overall pick is the detroit pistons the pistons the number one pick the Pistons are in an interesting spot. They are officially, you know, they are rebuilding. They have a couple interesting pieces on their team, most notably Olympian Jeremy Grant, who averaged 20 points a game last year. But at the guard spot, they are pretty weak. And that's going to be what they need to really get back into true Eastern Conference playoff contention is they need to get better at the guard spot. And so they have been in trade rumors all week as teams are seeing what would it take to, to get up to, to, to number one. That's not unusual. Teams every single year are just testing the market, testing the waters to see 
if teams are willing to move, whether you have the first pick or the 60th pick. The teams are always looking to to make moves and ways to improve their roster. Detroit has turned down every trade so far. We're recording this Wednesday afternoon. There could there could be a chance that this trade, or sorry, that, that Detroit trades the pick, depending on what offer comes in. If the Thunder really want to get up to number one and they include some ex, you know some future picks from the Clippers, Shea Gilders Alexander, their awesome young guard, you know, there could be a, a situation where there's a team that that we haven't heard of yet really be talked about this move up into consideration for the number one overall pick. It's to be seen, but if Detroit stays with the pick, as I think that they will. Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State is the guy. He is the best prospect in the draft. 6'7", 220, very good shooter, three-level score, pure point guard. Um, He's a guy who can really help Detroit just keep building back towards being a playoff contender. He's a guy, even though he's only 19 years old, who can come in right away in the NBA, and you can just tell that that he'll be able to play. He's not a project. He's not going to require an immense amount of player development to become a productive NBA player. I think, and a lot of people think, he's a guy you could plug and play, and he will help your ball club this upcoming season. And that's what uh, that's what the Pistons need, as with a lot of teams here at the top of the draft. You just need good players. You need good players to rebuild and a lot of these teams are not one player away from a championship but you're multiple players away from competing for a conference championship and so just getting good players in the door to help your team Cade Cunningham addresses that big 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 hole at guard for the for the Detroit Pistons and uh, it's a safe and a very solid number one overall pick for the Detroit Pistons. On the clock at number two are the Houston Rockets. Now, Houston had one of the most interesting 2019 to 2021s of any team in the NBA. So they start the 2019 season with Daryl Morey tweeting out uh, free Hong Kong. Then there's the whole China incident where the Lakers were overseas and China was, you know, pulling game, pulling NBA games. It was this tightrope that everyone in the NBA had had to walk. The owner of the Houston Rockets was reportedly unhappy with Daryl Morey for doing that, and it created this uh, fractious tension between them that eventually led to Morey being let go or, or them parting ways at the end of the season. Houston. Before you know, then they you know they trade for Russell Westbrook. They go to that super small lineup. Then the pandemic happens. They go down to the bubble. They let Dan, Dan Tony is not given a new contract, which didn't really make any sense. They trade Westbrook to Washington, and then they and then Harden demands a trade. So they have a new coach, new GM, still a pretty new ownership group, and you trade your best your franchise's best player since Hakeem Olajuwon. So Houston is in full rebuild mode. They have future draft picks from Brooklyn. They have Christian Wood. They have Kevin Porter Jr. if he can stay on the court. But Houston, even more than Detroit, needs basketball players. They need good basketball players. And so this is just an example of take best player available 
And for them, it will come down to Jalen Green, a 6'5 guard from who played in the G League last year, or Evan Mobley, the seven-footer from USC. I think they're going to go with Jalen Green as he provides a little more uh, dynamic scoring option than Mobley right away. Green is an extremely talented uh, player. He is extremely athletic. He can shoot the ball pretty well. Obviously, shot selection is something that a lot of guys need to uh, improve upon, but that he that's something he got better at during his time in the G League. He is a very, very solid pick here. He's 19 years old, 6'5 guard. He's a guy who you could bring in and try to, okay, let him score and kind of get that James Harden uh, offensive role of guy with the ball scoring. Not going to be James Harden, but just someone who can score on the, on the wing for him because Christian Wood down low is a very good score. They could think about moving on from Wood and get more draft picks, but when you're a team with not many legitimate good NBA players who you would want to build around, trading <laughs> one of them uh, is not a great move in my opinion, but... I think this will come down to Green and Mobley, and I think Houston is leaning towards Green based on the intel that has been reported and just of his, just also then the positional need and really starting with, hey, they need a guard because Kevin Porter Jr. has had a bunch of off-the-court instances so far in his young NBA career that when Porter doesn't play, they don't really have a, lead guard and so green fills that role because you could probably trade porter and you may not get too much back from but but you could trade porter it's not going to have a huge negative impact on your team but if you trade wood it's just at their current stage that would be a a really tough decision to make so i think houston will go with jalen green six five guard from the g league number three cleveland cavaliers on the clock they are taking the best player available, and that's Evan Mobley from USC. Seven-footer, you know, 215 pounds, needs to gain strength, obviously, as pretty much every rookie coming into the NBA. But Mobley is the pick here. He helped USC reach the Elite Eight last year before they fell to eventual national runner-ups Gonzaga. He is a versatile player. He can score on the inside. He has developing shooting ability. Um, they, they let him shoot some threes at USC last year, but he didn't take that many, about one a game. Uh, but his calling card right now at this point of his career is he is a phenomenal defender at the college level. He could block shots. He's quick enough to guard guys on the perimeter, which is huge in you know the way the NBA with pick and roll defense and switching. And he can he can really jump so he can get the ball above the rim for lob sort of vertical spacing if he's not a you know uh perimeter spacer right now with his shooting ability but this is a guy seven feet tall you make this pick every time he's a guy who come in even though cleveland has jared allen uh you can still play evan mobley with him because evan mobley's not ready to play 38 minutes a game so far you you build him up you develop and you play him with another guy like jared allen who can teach him a bunch of really good things about how to play defense in in the NBA. And you could say, oh, well, you know, who else could Cleveland be considering here? Well, it's really, you know, Mobley and Suggs are probably their two best bets. Well, Cleveland has 
guards in Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. You spend top five picks on guards and or top ten picks on guards in you know in the last three years, and you really take another guard here. So so I think they're going to go with Evan Mobley. Kevin Love is the guy that they have to trade. Even if you have to eat a little bit, you know, eat some of his contract or maybe like a future protected first or something, you have to get Kevin Love off off your roster because he is too good. He's, you know, he has battled injuries, but he is too good for you right now. He's taking minutes away. Like if Kevin Love, like you have to play Kevin Love. So he's going to taking minutes away from potentially Evan Mobley, taking shots away from from other guys. And he doesn't want to be there. It's it's he doesn't want to be on a rebuilding team at this point of his career. Try to help him get to a winner, to a contender, so he can be playing it in the playoffs while you are building around the next generation of Cavalier uh, players so that hopefully next year, two years from now, you could be competing in the Eastern Conference playoffs once again. The fourth overall pick goes to the Toronto Raptors, one of the most interesting picks here as they were the champions in 2019 they have lost a lot from that team obviously Kawhi Leonard went on to the Clippers Serge Ibaka now is, is on the Clippers Marcus Saul joined the Lakers um, Kyle Lowry is a free agent this offseason they are no longer the championship contender that they were in 2018-2019 this is a new team that still has a bunch of really good players Fred Van Vliet Pascal Siakam, OG Anunoby, Chris Boucher is a really good young big guy. I think Toronto here doesn't go chalk, doesn't take one of the top four guys, and I think they take Jonathan Kaminga, G League. He is a guy who potentially he was one of the top players of his high school class. He reclassified a year up, so he should be going into college This year, this should be his freshman year of college. Last year, while playing in the G League, was essentially his senior year of high school. So Kuminga is an incredible athlete. He's been at the top of the recruiting rankings his basically his entire time that the recruiting rankings basically started for his for you know once he got to that point in high school where there were rankings. He's always been at you know in the either number one or in the top five, top ten. He is a guy who's extremely talented, extremely young at 18 years old. And what does he need to work on, right? He needs to work on shooting. He needs to work on just feel of the game and just getting better all around at basketball. And Toronto has helped numerous guys do that at his position in Pascal Siakam and and OG Anunoby. I think this could be a really good long-term move here for Toronto is to grab Jonathan Kaminga. You don't have to play him right away because you already have guys at that position, but you can develop him, hopefully put him on the Pascal Siakam, OG, and and Unobi development plan. And two, three, four years from now, he may be an all-star quality player, but this is a high-risk, high-reward move. But if you're the Toronto Raptors, you're a playoff team anyway next year, most likely in the East or maybe probably a play-in game. Hopefully with the pandemic, they'll be back in Toronto, not living in Florida for a whole year, not having crazy 
virus shutdowns with players testing positive and, and missing Siakam for multiple weeks and in, in, in different guys, getting those guys back, back in a more normal routine for the Toronto Raptors. I think they'll be back in the playoffs or at least the, the play-in. Kaminga here from the G League I think is a really, really good pick for them as they've already developed guys at his position with, with who had similar weaknesses to his when, when they came out. He's so young. I think Toronto going with Kaminga would be a really good pick here. Number five, the Orlando Magic. This is an easy pick for them here. It is Scotty Barnes, a 6'9", kind of do-it-all forward from Florida State, where the only thing he can't do is shoot. He's a weak perimeter shooter here. And if you've been following the Orlando Magic the last eight years, they love taking 6'9 guys who can't shoot. Jonathan Isaac, Mario Hezonia, uh, you know, Bamba was a weak shooter. The list goes on and on of the Magic taking extremely raw, long, really good athletes. Scotty Barnes fits a lot of that. It's an extremely young team, a rebuilding team. He can help them defensively. He won't help them offensively. Orlando going to next season before free agency, maybe one of the worst shooting teams in recent modern NBA history. But he has he has winning qualities, plays hard on defense, versatile defender. He's a guy I think Orlando takes, best player available here, especially because they have guards. They drafted Cole Anthony last year, trade for RJ Hampton. I think here this is Suggs versus Barnes. I think they go with Barnes just because of their propensity for taking. 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", guys, um, and Wings in valuing the wing position over the guard position, but we will see. But I think Barnes makes a lot of sense for Orlando here. and fits their history, as, as I said. Guys coming out of college, entering the NBA, who aren't great shooters. Barnes, 30% from three last year at Florida State. Number six, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City is the team that is in every trade rumor, every trade discussion. Can they get up to five? Can they get to four, three, two, one? Every single team is being talked about with Oklahoma City because they have so many draft picks. They have so many draft picks that they are one of the only teams in the NBA who seemingly could swing any type of trade that 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 they would want. This, I think, here, really easy pick for Oklahoma City. Fully rebuilding. You take Jalen Suggs, best player available. Gonzaga, one of my favorite players in the draft, does it all. Point guard who who can play off the ball with with Shea Gills Alexander. Defends, good size, great athlete, playmaker, shooter. Unless Oklahoma City tries to move up, I think Suggs is the pick here for them, and they don't really think about it too much. They'll wait while they're on the clock to see if someone wants to try to move up to them, and maybe they could get even more draft picks for it. But Jalen Suggs right here is too good of a player for Oklahoma City to pass up, and he will help them next year. And maybe that's what the Thunder want, and maybe that's not what the Thunder want to be better next year, but Jalen Suggs will help them. Number seven, the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors, once again, drafting early. They got some lottery luck this year uh, from Minnesota here. This is Minnesota's pick. I think here, the player that they have been linked to time and time and time again is Davion Mitchell, guard Baylor. 
at uh here at seven. I think you take him at seven. You don't run the risk of waiting to see if he lasts to fourteen. If there's a guy that you like, take him. And Mitchell is a guy who just watching him at Baylor is probably at, besides for Cunningham the most plug and play ready guy in this draft. Extremely good shooter last year. Terrific lead guard, unbelievable defender, competes extremely extremely hard. He the test will be is he a sh- his, his shooting numbers what it was 2 years ago or the one last year where you know where is it? But he's a guy who clearly works extremely hard, successful in college who can come off the bench for the Warriors when they're trying to be really good next year and play defense and play his role and compete. He's used to playing on winning teams, provide scoring, ball handling, defense, coming off the bench for him next year. I think it makes too much sense, and it's to the point of everyone was mocking and talking Mitchell to the Warriors. just made way, way, way too much sense. And now everyone's been talking themselves out, to, out of it, almost as like, well, who else could they pick there? And, and just saying to themselves, well, who else could they go there? Because, you know, we don't like consensus around the draft unless it's the number one pick. And even with the number one pick, we're always talking about, well, who else could they take? It, all, it makes too much sense for the Warriors. Davion Mitchell from Baylor is their guy. Number eight, Orlando back on the clock. The, the magic here back on the clock from their uh, move with the Bulls earlier this off uh, or at the trade deadline. Here, I think that they go a little crazy, completely off the board. There's always someone jumping into the top 10 who we don't expect. I think it's going to be Kai Jones, big guy out of Texas, pretty new to the game, started playing basketball at 15. Very versatile, big guy, has a lot of skills, but extremely, extremely raw. He fits the the mold of we're going to be bad we're going to be a bad defense we're going to be a not just a bad defense team we're just going to be a bad team next year and we're tanking we're rebuilding we're trying to get as many draft picks as possible this is a swing you got to swing for the fences in the draft this is Orlando's swing for the fences of a guy who's extremely new to basketball but shot a good percentage from three last year 40 you know almost 40 percent you know he only took 33 threes, but that's about one a game, 40%, eight, you know, eight, nine points a game. He can, he can guard. He's a guy who's extremely, extremely good athlete. Fits Orlando's model there. You got to swing for the fences. Orlando swings for the fences here. Kai Jones from Texas with the hope that he becomes an all-star four or five years down the line. Number nine, Sacramento is on the clock. Another team that seemingly is always in the lottery. I'm gonna. I, I have Sacramento taking Alperen Sengun from Turkey. He is the best low post scorer in the draft. He has all the moves: six ten, two forty. Defensively, there's some concerns there about who he about who he can guard and where he can play. But Sengun is a guy who can score the basketball at a position of need. Bagley is more of an all-around versatile guy. The Kings have guards, De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes on the wing. What do they need? Sangoon, I think, comes comes in, scores the ball for them. There's 
every team is always looking for scores, scores, scores. And you know what? If he can't really play that great on defense, have him come off the bench early on. And that's what he'll probably do. But we talk ourselves into, oh, so-and-so defense, defense, defense. And yes, it matters. But how many guys coming out of the draft do we say he can really, really score and he can score at an NBA level? And, and that's the report on Sengun. He's got all the moves in the book. And he is a terrific, terrific passer as well, and sh- shoots well from the three. Po- oh, sorry, shoots well from the free throw line, so it makes it seem like he can develop some shooting ability there. But I just think he's this is a this is a fit thing. This is a fit thing for the Kings getting closer to the playoffs because you just need guys to fill in at all positions. Why would they take another guard? They took Halliburton last year. Fox, you're just not going to play. You need guys going to be able to come and play and help your team. Alperen Sengun from Turkey is the guy for them I have at number nine. Last pick of our top ten. Top ten. Who is on the clock now? It was New Orleans. New Orleans was on the clock. They made a move earlier in the week. They added Jonas Valanciunas from the Memphis Grizzlies. Gave up Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams. Get a little more versatile on offense, clear some salary cap space. So, crucially, they gave up the number 10 pick here. So, now the pick goes to Memphis. And so, what is Memphis going to do? Who does Memphis need? What does Memphis really fit with? And I think with Memphis, this is a best player available. You get James Booknight from UConn, a really, really good score to play with Ja Morant. Yes, he's another guard, and they have a bunch of guards, but don't think Bledsoe's going to be on the team next year. I think they'll try to waive him or just not play him that much because their guards are, are pretty good. Book Knight is an extremely good score, and it fits a guy who, if you take here, that could signal maybe someone else is trading up for him. You get even more future assets for James Book Knight, a team trying to move up, maybe another player who could help you compete next year in the playoffs. Book Knight... The thing you have to figure out if you're a team is, is he a shooter? Can he shoot? Last year, shooting numbers, not great. His career at UConn, shooting numbers, not great. But uh, all the reports and all the video from his pre-draft workouts is he's like a reincarnation of, uh, you know, Larry Bird, like making every single shot and beautiful mechanics and swishing everything, breaking nets and, and all this stuff. And you have to decide, is he a workout shooter, a game shooter, where's his shooting level at? Can he improve as a shooter? Is it something mechanical? Is it just reps? I think he's a guy who can score a lot of points in the NBA. I think he's always, he's he's worth the pick here for Memphis at number 10. A couple other names just going to throw out as sleepers for the for for the first round or second round. Zaire Williams, who's a top 5 talent in high school out of uh, Southern California. He goes to Stanford. Stanford had one of the most unique COVID seasons of any team in the country. When Stanford was playing the Maui Invitational, that was actually in North Carolina last year, the San Francisco Bay Area like shut down and shut down to college and professional sports as well. So Stanford was on the road for about six to eight weeks straight, <laughs> like just on the road. 
didn't get to go home, didn't get to go back to school, to his dorm room, to anything. They were just on the road practicing, staying in hotels, playing games, flying around the country. Of course he didn't have a great freshman season. That's just crazy. And so he's extremely talented, good size. I think you put a little more stability around him naturally because what could be more unstable than last year at Stanford with all the COVID protocols? He's going to be good and just keep getting better. Another guy from Real Madrid, really interesting player here. Uh, he's a Garuba who from Real Madrid, Usman Garuba, about 6'8", so not great size, but a really good body, uh, super strong, physical, very, very good defender, hustle-type player. I think he's a guy who, if he goes 17 or 18, will just be an, a productive NBA player. He won't be an MVP, potentially, but just a productive NBA player. And the other guy, another Baylor guy, Jared Butler, had some medical stuff, just got cleared to play, see where he falls, but... Just watching him at Baylor last year, he was a huge part of that national championship team, and he can really score. He can shoot the ball and just a really good player. So those are three quick sleepers. Zaire Williams from Stanford, Usman Garuba from Real Madrid, and Jared Butler from Baylor. So enjoy the draft. I know I will. Thank you for listening. This is That'll do it for this episode of The Double Double. If you like this podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Where you can subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars would be much, much appreciated. You can also follow us on Twitter at DBL underscore DBL podcast. We'll be back on Friday to break down the draft. Take care and make it a great day.